Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Absolutely every one of us is heading towards this day. It may be decades away, it may well be a whole lot sooner than that. It's the day our life comes to an end. This is not to be unduly morbid or throw a mournful wet blanket over the night. In fact, it's one of the great gifts of Christian faith. This fearful moment can be approached with confidence, even hope. The Apostle Paul has this almost taunt in the light of Jesus' victory over death. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But Christian faith is much more than that pie-in-the-sky-when-you-die kind of thing. It's also very much concerned with living life well now. And so considering all that, this book arrested my attention. The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying, A Life Transformed by the Dearly Departing. It's a really interesting and I think important contribution from Bronnie Ware, who taps into her deep experiences as a nurse working in palliative care, taking care of people in the last few months of their lives. I wonder what would your biggest regret be if this was to be your last day of life? Bronnie Ware, welcome to Open House. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Bronnie, you say there's a great clarity of vision that people have as they near the end of their lives. Uh, Yes, in my experience it has been that way. I think... What happens is um, the ego dissolves considerably, so the things that people have spent a lot of time focusing on in their lives become quite irrelevant, and the true value of what's important becomes much clearer. And uh, and so it tends to give people a bit of a fast track to wisdom when they're not um, blocked by by the unnecessary things. Can you give us a couple of practical examples of how you've seen that clarity expressed up close and personal? Um, people who have spent, you know, a lot of their lives focused on on work or material gain, and then um, when they've come into their last month of their life, they've they've realised how irrelevant all of that is, and um, and and they've realised that the things that are truly important is, you know, how much happiness they've brought to people they've loved, and what a contribution they've made to family or society and also how much time they've spent doing things that they themselves loved and uh, you know a lot of people realize that they actually had quite an unbalanced approach to life when when they realized what was truly important and they hadn't given enough time to those things. I'm sure this applies to most of us actually. To a degree I think yes. (laughs) So take us through the top five regrets that you discovered. Let's start at number five. What did you find there? Um, the people that I was looking after, one, the, uh, quite a few different regrets came up, but this one was um, people wishing that they'd realised um, sooner that happiness is a choice and that they'd allowed themselves to be happy. Did that surprise you? Um, not really, because uh, you know I think the intimacy of the relationships I shared with people meant there were some very honest conversations but um, but I was grateful for, for the lessons they gave me and you know I, I think people just realised that they had either focused on the negatives too much or hadn't realised they deserved to be happy and and also you know what a few people said was that you know recognising that there'll always be suffering and there'll, there'll often be challenges in life but even amongst that there you can still choose happiness you know, in, from moment to moment by focusing on something beautiful, you know, and so it is a moment-to-moment choice to, to be happy. Like count your blessings. Yes, 
yeah. That's number five. Number four? Um, wishing they'd stayed in touch with their friends. And uh, I, I think that one came up quite a bit because friends um, share memories with, with dying people that often go well beyond the children of the dying people. So, you know, the children can remember the last 40 or 50 years, which is the entirety of their own life. But friends often remember, you know, the early years of people's lives and and they want to remember, they want to reflect over those positive memories as they're dying. And I think the other reason it, it came up a lot, Lee, is because um, often the families are already in a place of grieving and sadness when they know someone in their family is about to die. And so it can be really difficult for them to be upbeat and and as much as friends can grieve as well um, the dying people usually want to be living for as long as they can so they want life to come into their lives for as long as possible and if they can't go out of their home to see what's going on friends can bring that that in that happiness and and humor you know humor's very underrated and uh in the healing journey and and i think that you know, for dying people, they they still want some lightness of spirit and lightness of life for for their last weeks. They don't want it all to be doom and gloom. I'm sure that's true. Mm. Number three is I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Yes, yes, um, that that sort of worked from a few different angles. Um, in some cases, it was people wishing they'd been able to tell their children that they loved them um, or that they were proud of them. In some cases, a couple of cases, they actually asked me to pass on pass that on after they died because they just found it too confronting to to speak that honestly um but it also worked the other way where people wished they hadn't put up with as much nonsense from other people and had spoken up as a an act of self-love and self-respect it's interesting mm. number two is the one that uh doesn't surprise me. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's. And they wish they didn't work so hard. And uh, the majority of the people I was looking after were were, um, were from an older generation. So most of those regrets came from men. But I did care for a few women who had also worked, and they said the same that they wish they hadn't worked so hard. Um, I, it's not about not loving your work and um, you know understanding that we need to work to survive. But but the people who shared this regret with me just said they hadn't maintained balance and in the end they missed watching their children grow up they hadn't spent quality time with their partners and they'd spent too much time focusing on you know the future and on retirement and when they got to that place illness set in and they didn't actually get to live the years of retirement that they hoped to i might just offer my own observation with this i read the reflections of the american fox news anchor mm -hmm. uh, chris wallace just this last week, on the final years of his legendary father, Mike Wallace, uh, he was the long-term 60 Minutes reporter in the States who died just this last week. And Chris said of his dad, as the hard-driving 60 Minutes star experienced the fog of dementia, he only spoke of his family and not his storied career. A very poignant lesson for all of us. This is a man for whom work always came first. Now he can't even remember it. It's a very common story, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. And, you know, he probably identified so much with that career all the way through. But but in the end, when, uh, you know, it, I think it is just the ego dissolves and all, all the other things fall away and, and it gets back to the core. And, you know, at the core of everything is the heart, you know, and uh, and obviously that's what, what it came down to. He's, all he could think of was family. You say that regret was expressed mostly by men. 
Do you expect that to be more and more expressed by women in the future? Oh, I think so already, yes. You know, I, like I say, most of the people I looked after were older people, but definitely, I, you know, there's plenty of women that work too hard and, and just feel that they can't, that they don't have a choice. But there is a choice. It's, you know, it's, there, there are choices that can be made along the way to try and find some balance. Yes, which we'll get to. So the number one regret was what, Bonnie? Um, the courage to live a life true to themselves rather than the life other people expected of them. Um, in you know that, that can be whether it was family expecting them to be a certain person or uh, friends or society. I mean, society in general has has a lot to answer for and uh, so yeah there were common regrets there where people really wish they'd they realized at the end that it had been their life and their choice and they'd spent too much time caring what other people thought of them on open house we're with Bronnie Ware who's the author of the top five regrets of the dying a life transformed by the dearly departing Bonnie we have to mention families in this a terribly challenging time for them as they look on and also some of these regrets are expressed in front of them. Well, they are, yeah, they are. But, I mean, a lot of them was spoken to me quite intimately because, um, you know, I was one-on-one with people for 12 hours a day for, you know, between three and 12 weeks of their lives. So some of the regrets were spoken of in front of family, but um, I think the majority of them were, were spoken to me quite privately. But they can't confront some of the family members. Yeah, they just found it too too painful. Um, one of the gentlemen I I looked after, he he was one of the ones who said he wished he hadn't worked so hard. He was uh, 91 or 93 when I cared for him, and he'd worked till he was 88, and he provided very well for his family. He had his own business, and and they did quite well. Um, money-wise, but um, the reason he regretted not working so hard was because he hadn't given his family a chance to get to know him and that he hadn't even had a chance to get to know himself until recent years. And so when I, um, when he told me this, he was in tears at the time and I said, well, you know, how about we bring the family in and we, we talk about it now with them? And he just said, no, you know, he couldn't... Um, the communication channel wasn't open enough in his family for him to feel comfortable about that. And uh, and so in the end, he was able to share it with me, but he couldn't actually say to the family, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And uh, and he just longed for them to know him, and, and it was too late in his case. What a touching thing. Yes. Can I ask you to reflect on this? The famed evangelist Billy Graham offered this piece of wisdom mm. and insight in his most recent book, as he nears the sunset of his life, nearing home is the book. Mm. He says, growing old is not for the faint-hearted. What would you say about that? Because you've seen that very up close and personal. Well, it, you know, it's not for the faint-hearted because you lose your your freedom. You know, as soon as you've lost your health, you lose your freedom. Um, you lose your dignity once you've lost, you know, good health because you have to have someone else attend to all of your personal care. Um, and it's also, you know, you have to face face the choices you've made. You, you can't run away from yourself anymore. You can't busy yourself with um, distractions along the way, which, you know, a lot of people live their life that way out of out of fear, I guess. And, um, and growing old, you don't have those choices. You know, you have a lot of time for contemplation. And uh, so it's, he's right. It's certainly not for the faint-hearted. Yes. While some might think this has been a 
bit of a morbid thing to write about. You consider your experiences and observations a great blessing in your own life. Oh, it's it transformed my life, Lee. I I mean, that's the the book itself is a memoir of my own life and how how it was changed through the regrets that people shared with me. And you know, it's given me so much more um, courage. I'm I'm a much stronger and happier person than than I was before I started working in palliative care. And I, I guess that you know the biggest blessing is it, no matter how much you put in, you always get so much more back. And I, I put a lot in, you know, and uh, nice. so I did get a, a lot back. And I, I just feel so blessed because any decisions I make these days are, are more or less based around the regrets of dying people. Because I think, okay, Bronnie, you know, if you don't do this, are, are you going to regret it or are you not? And you know, ha- having an insight into um, a glimpse of the pain that people have expressed by carrying these regrets to the end, it, you know, I can't really allow myself that indulgence. So no matter how difficult a decision may make and um, may be to make and how painful it could be, I also know that it's never going to be as painful as lying on my deathbed having regrets. So it does give me enormous courage and strength to have been in this position. Have you had many observations or offered reflections on what it's like for people to die with a sense of Christian faith as opposed to none? Yeah, um, I think that those, definitely, Lee, I, I, I came across quite a few people who had faith and then quite a few who hadn't really thought about it. And in my experience, I found that those who had faith um, not only accepted their death much sooner, they had a smoother transition when the actual moment of death came. I mean, the actual dying process is a very quick process regardless, but but those who had who didn't have a faith um, to accompany them had a lot of denial, um, a lot of fear, and eventually they came to a place of acceptance too. I think the extent of their illness forced that acceptance because, you know, there was never going to be any quality of life again. But But those who did have a strong faith we're in such a place of acceptance so much quicker and um and and as i say the the actual transition when they passed on was was much more gentle and smooth was it very evident why they came to that quicker place of acceptance um well i i i guess it's just that power of faith isn't it they they you know knew without a doubt that they were going elsewhere whereas um, you know that they were, they were going back to God, and um, and I think that those who didn't have any faith, you know, they they didn't know is this it? It stops right here, or you know, or what's going on? And and that can be you know immensely terrifying for some people. But you know, I saw one one woman who just I saw some beautiful transitions, but I, I saw one woman who just she'd been in a coma for about twelve hours, and she just opened her eyes and looked at the ceiling with the most glorious smile on her face, and and then she departed like her, she just let out this tiny moan and her eyes closed and in those days I, I was very new to it and you know she was one of my first patients and I hadn't even realized she died because it had been such a gentle exit and you know it, it just kept my faith strong from then on because obviously she was seeing something well beyond what myself and her family were seeing and the joy on her face was was just immense and you know, that, that's a pretty nice thing to experience. Certainly stays with you for so long. Yeah. For the rest of your life, I'm sure. But here's the, here's the question that hangs in the air over this important book. How will we deal earlier in our lives with these very deep feelings that could turn to regrets 
it'll take some courage, it'll take some big decisions, won't it? Yes, it will. Courage is, you know, is, is a huge part of living an authentic life true to yourself. And But I think the, the core point is that we need to accept the fact that we are going to die and we don't know if we're going to die in 20 minutes or two weeks, two years or 50 years. You know, we really have no idea when our time is up. And But the fact is that, you know, I could drop dead tomorrow and I, I need to... I think that if we can face that and know that it could happen at any time, then we do let go of a lot of things that hold us back because you just think, well, gosh, you know, I'm, I could go at any time. Is this how I want to be living my life? It's We don't have forever to remedy things, you know, to, to make them right again. So we have to face the fact as individuals and as a society that, that death is a part of our life process and and in facing that death it, it does give us the courage to like to truly face your death. It does give you the courage to to live life well right now. There are so many powerful stories in this and such wisdom that has come with this book. Bronnie Ware, thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. Thank you, Lee. It's been a pleasure. Bronnie's the author of The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, A Life Transformed, Her Life by the Dearly Departing. And we'll put the details up on our Open House community Facebook page. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.